Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. Hi, everyone. I'm Sean Callahan. And hey, everybody. I'm Mark Shank. And today we're going to talk about one of the one of the chapters in our corporate storytelling paper. It's one of the really cool uses of story, which is getting a job. It is one of the most powerful tools you've got in your in your kit bag if you know how to use it. A very powerful way of getting a job, but you know it's even more than that. Even in the in the covering letter for your resume, you can use story. But we're going to talk about it today in the context of interviews. Huh. It's so important, isn't it, Mike? You know, uh, how many times have we seen people, you know, sort of either in an interview or, you know, over here? I've heard, overheard an interview, right, where I was in the. Um, the Qantas Lounge, some poor guy next to me was literally being interviewed in the Qantas Lounge, which I thought was pretty rough, uh, for a sales job. And every time they asked him a question, he just replied by sort of saying, oh, yes, no, I'm very good at lead generation. That's one of my real strengths. And, and I'm thinking to myself, tell a story. Tell yep. a story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that happens so often where the, the person – uh, yeah, tell us about your communication skills. Oh, yes, well, I'm a really good communicator. I think communication is really important, and I really believe in collaboration. And, of course, yeah, the person who claims to be a good collaborator is just a ladder climber, um, you know, steps on other people, doesn't collaborate at all. And, uh, you know, most interviewers see through that, uh, and it has little impact. And, and it's very difficult to stand out from the crowd. Yeah, I think Because everybody's going to claim to be a good collaborator and a good communicator. Now, you wrote the chapter on uh, the job interviewing, Mark. I mean, what were the, some of the key points you were trying to draw out, you know, some of the advice to people about how you use story technique in this space? Yeah, I see there's four main ways. The, one of them is simply the, that, that very first thing that you need to do in an interview, which is to establish rapport and connection. Right. You know, there's a moment when you meet somebody for the first time where you know, they don't know you. They don't know who you are. They don't know if they can trust you. As they, as we say in Australia, they don't know you from a bar of soap. And so they tend to treat what you say as a bit sceptical. Now, if the interaction goes well, there's a, like this magical moment where it transitions from sceptical to receptive. And that's kind of the first thing is how do you establish rapport and connection? And of course, story is a great, great way of doing that. We talk about connection stories. And then I guess there's three other main buckets for interviews. The first one is you need a career story. What's the story of your career? How did you end up doing the thing that you do? How did you end up being interested in it? How did you get started? What were the barriers? So that's the first bucket, I guess, is the career story. Then there's... And, yeah, and, and just on the career story, you don't want those big, long descriptions of uh, you know your resume, do you? It's, oh, it's, it's, a, yeah, it's a much tighter thing than that when you talk about career story. Yep. Yeah, it's yep. it's quite a, a focused and purposeful thing. It's not just a reiteration of what's in your resume because that, <laughs> that is that is dead set boring because yep. nothing interesting happens. Yes. I did this and then I moved there and then I got this opportunity and then I did that and I stayed there for eight years and then I moved here and then I moved. It's like, whoa. You know, That's when the up. interviewers fall off their chairs in yep. a comatose state. Yep. 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 Their eyes roll back in their heads. Uh, so career story, first one. Then character stories. So tell me, uh, uh, collaboration is one of the key the key 
kind of attributes we're looking for uh, in working here. Tell me about a, you know, can you give me an example? Uh, are you a good collaborator? Right? And you want to avoid the same thing that most people do. Oh, yes, well, I think collaboration is really important and it helps generate teamwork and that gives a, you know, achieves synergistic outcomes that improve the overall performance of the organization. Now, most people can can uh, craft the BS pretty well. And so what you want is the examples that illustrate this. So character stories, stories that demonstrate the kind of attributes they're looking for. Um, and illustrates your character. Is that why you're calling them character stories? Exactly. It, they re the stories reveal your character. So the st you don't say, oh, I'm a good collaborator. You go, oh, I had this challenge. And you know, we had a bunch of people who are working to trying to work together, but blah, 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 and this is what I did. And yeah, this really surprising thing happened. Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. Um, and, you know, I think about, for me, one of the great collaboration stories I, I would tell was that uh, uh, I got to lead an Air Force operation after I'd left the Air Force. So as a reserve officer, I led a, 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 an underwater recovery operation in uh, Papua New Guinea. And it was made up of a bunch of, of people that I knew, uh, all from very different walks of life, and but they were very very experienced divers they weren't commercial they weren't professional divers they were just really experienced divers and we did something in nine days that should have taken months and uh it was because every person in that team like they just surprised the heck out of me just found a way i remember this one of the guys dave bell was a you know he's a pretty heavy set guy and um i didn't know him that well uh, he was just, he was unbelievable. Every morning he would get up, he would dive into the ocean, swim across to the dinghy, and no matter whether it was lovely weather or absolutely teeming rain, he would get the generator started. So we'd get the underwater pumps going and, and he would just, every day he would find a way to fix it and keep it going. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, and you're right. You know, it's just those little illustrations, you know. It's it's the whole thing about showing, not telling, right? That's it's right. Showing showing through this the story, as opposed to just listing your attributes, which yeah, yeah, just doesn't go. I guess this is this, this whole field of behavioural interviewing. It sort of it sort of locks into that, doesn't it? It's it's the respondent's view of that. While they got the behavioural questions, you've got to reply with behavioural responses, which are anecdotes. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting about that because you know that is definitely one of the one of the you know there's situational interviews, there's behavioural interviews, and there's lots of stuff written about behavioural interviews. I oh, should ask questions about a time when blah blah blah. But most people don't know that the response, or well, most interviewers don't know that the response they're looking for is an example, and then most interviewers, most interviewees don't know that the most powerful response they can give is an example, a story. And so really just having that little understanding is a huge advantage. Yeah, absolutely. Um, right. And then there's also criteria stories. So, oh, yeah. the, you know, like uh, you need to be an expert in C++ or, you know, you need to be um, a, a, change, a proficient change management uh, practitioner, da, 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 whatever it is. And you need examples that illustrate that you're good at the thing that you claim that you're good at. So yes, or it's good to have a, a story in there where you failed. Oh, <laughs> kind of. Well, I guess it becomes a character story, doesn't it? More than a, a you know, sort of a, an attribute story, as you say. Well, the the I used the criteria stories that uh, the the times when you learned an important lesson, 
they yeah, are very yeah. valuable because it demonstrates your ability. It, it, it gives you both the criteria and the character, right? You learn right. from your mistakes. Yeah. You know, you're, you're on a growth trajectory. <laughs> you have a growth mindset. I think that's yeah. the latest uh, language. That, right? That's right. That's us. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so now, of course, the... that's that's a great overview. That that makes makes sense. And of course, people can jump into the article and you know uh, look at some of the detail. But of course, we're here to share a story as well that people can retell. And I know you've got a. Well, I won't say it's. A, I won't build it up too much. But I got you got a story to. To share I, with us. I, I do, I do. And uh, we can talk about that. Yeah. So uh, a few years ago, uh, 2016, February 2016, I was uh, in a cafe here in Melbourne and I was uh, sitting down with a, with a friend of mine, a lady called Anna, and she told me about a recent experience that she'd had. So Anna's a change management practitioner and a very good one, very, very experienced. And she'd seen an ad for the perfect job for her. So she put a lot of effort into the application and you know, got selected for interview and went in. And the interview was very different from what she was expecting. It was it was kind of a very old school type of, you know, kind of, you know, them and us, a, a panel of people firing questions at her. Um, you know, her, her chair was set back. She kind of sitting back in the middle of the room and there or behind the desk, you know, kind of a right? power differential at play, <laughs> pretty uncomfortable. And uh-huh. they were firing questions at her and uh, it was not what she expected. And she was feeling that it was not going at all well. Mm-hmm. She, she felt that the answers that they were expecting were not the ones that she was giving. At some stage in the interview, one of them said, one of the interviewers said, so what's your change management philosophy? And Anna kind of went, you know what? I'm not going to get this job, so what the heck? My change manager philosophy, she said. Well, it's based on dog shit. And, of course, they were all kind of sit back. What? And she goes, yeah, I've got a dog. And near me is a dog park. And it's a, it's a fantastic facility because you can take your dog there, let the dog off the leash, you know, it runs around, gets lots of exercise. Lots and lots of people take their dogs there. But you know what the downside? The park is just covered with dog shit. It's everywhere. Now, every time my dog does its business, I pick up after it. You know, I carry the bags, pick it up, put it in the bin. The bins are provided. It's all there. And so I really got tired of this. So I, I, I said, I'm in the change management business. I'm going to make a difference. So I resolved that every time I saw somebody's dog do their business and the owner not pick it up, I would confront them. And she, and she did. Every single time, hey, you know, your dog didn't, you know, dog did its business over there. You need to go and pick it up. And she said, you know, what happened most of the time is that I got into an argument. People told me to, you know, rack off. Uh, not necessarily in that, that polite terms. And uh, a few months went by and nothing changed. So I thought, wow, what? wow, maybe I need to change. And so she said she adopted a completely different approach. When she saw somebody's dog do their business, and they didn't pick up, she would go over to them and say, hey, I've got some spare bags here. Would you, would you like some? Because I noticed you, would, you, know, you probably just don't have a bag. And she said, a few people still told me to rack off, but a lot of people took the bag and picked up after the dog. And after a few months, the park got was getting cleaner and cleaner and cleaner. And everybody. And I learned, that's why uh, my, my change management philosophy is based on dog shit, because what I learned is that if you try and tell people to change, then they'll they'll probably get into an argument with you, they'll resist. And uh, that if you want them to change, 
You need to give them a choice. You need to involve them in the process and give them a sense of ownership. And by doing that, you've got a much better chance. And so, yeah, that's why my change management philosophy is based on dog shit. And, and did she get the job? She got the job. She got the job. Wow, there yep, you go. She got the job. And <laughs> but she didn't stay long at that organization because it was run a bit like the interviews. So Right. Too much dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a good one. Okay. Well let's 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 do our thing, you know. Let's let's have a look at this story. Um, what do we like about it? I mean, there's lots of things I like about it. Uh, I tell you one thing I, I love about it, of course, because you you're mentioning uh, dog shit. Um, apart from the surprise element, I, I'm reminded of uh, the Heath brothers and the research that one of them did on uh, the, the emotion that's, that's uh, linked to whether stories are retold. And, and one of the top emotions for that is disgust. And so, you know, and, you know, we've learned over the millennia to, uh, you know, retell stories about things that are disgusting to protect each other from bad things, essentially. Mm-hmm. So I think that's good. I think because it's got a good, you know, it's, it's not even a sprinkle. It is an absolute dollop of yeah. disgust yeah. in there. So, so that's, uh, that's part of it. Um, I, I like the clarity of it. Yeah, it's a straightforward story, isn't it? Yep. I did this. No change. I did that and it changed. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Contrast is always great, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Now, I guess we need to talk about whether the use of the of the word shit is appropriate, right? Because you know, it's even though it's a some of our mild, listeners are going to have find find that hard to hear, aren't they? Ah, yeah, yeah, absolutely, and uh, and find it hard to use. And of course, you can use that story by just saying dog poo or dog business or or whatever, and you can avoid the shit word. Uh, but it does lose some of its impact, but it also makes the story relevant for a broader audience and for more situations. Yep. Sorry, the uh, absence of the word shit makes it. It, remi- it reminds me of that TV series that uh, was on a number of years ago called Deadwood. Oh, And yeah. um, it's totally filled with swear words, right? And... When people say, oh, but back in the 1800s, people didn't swear like that. And the makers of the show sort of said, we know, we know they didn't swear like that. But they said things like damn. And back then, damn was like the equivalent of the top swear words that we have today. So to get the feeling of the of the culture and the attitude of those Wild West guys, they had to fill it up with today's swear words. And I thought that's interesting, isn't it? So anyway, it'll depend on what geography you're in, what cultures yep. you're in, what yep. environment you're in. And as here in Australia, we can, we can certainly say shit. And it's not going to really throw people too much. And, um, but there'll be other parts of the world, which is going to be a bit tricky. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like if you're going for an, for an interview to be the account at your local church, you probably wouldn't use the, the S word. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else? I think the um, it's obviously a, a relatable story, you know, walking your dog, taking it down to the, the park. And I think just that sense of conflict, I think uh, um, that, that also adds a little, uh, you know, frisson, if you like, to the, to the story um, in the sense of, you know, you might feel it a little bit. Uh, oh, I love that you ever want to use the word, the word in a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, try to avoid that word. Um, so one yeah, of the things so. that I like about it is the that is that you ask the question: 
what happened. And and she got the job. She yes. turned it around. It all pivoted on that story. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, I'm just thinking, uh, jumping ahead now to what could make the story even better is to maybe even build that sense of she was going to fail. Yeah. Right. She was going to fail that interview. It, it was a dream job. She really loved it, but she was not going to get it. Yeah, and the then high she stakes. Tells, and then, yeah, the high stakes. She build those stakes up uh, to, a, to a higher level. And, yeah, then the story saves the day. So um, so that's that's good. Um, I like the, the big pause. In fact, the pause was big enough at the end for me to say, so what happened, right? And and I think in telling it, even if the audience doesn't ask the questions, you should actually leave a pause there because it's sort of it's sort of enticing people to ask that question, even if they're asking it mentally, right? Yeah. And I just so you know, I was that was I I was you beat me by a nanosecond. I left the right. pause to yep. say and she got the job, but you you jumped in before I got to do that. So that's actually I hadn't thought about that. You know, like that wasn't a deliberate thing, but it is a, a really good strategy. Uh, and yeah. so if the audience, the audience are pulling the story towards them, if, you, if they, they ask a question like that. Exactly. Because exactly. what you're doing is, is you know, like the humans, we, we are, you know, as Mike will say, you know, we're, we're kind of event predictors. Yes. And yeah. you're going, I want to know what what's the next event. Yeah. And, uh, and so you, you know your story's worked when you have that reaction. Yeah, indeed. Um. Anything else would make the story better? Do you think, Mark? Perhaps not. Oh, I mean, look, no, you know, I mean jumping you, out hard. You could, yep. you could, you know, the dog was a Rhodesian Ridgeback, and you know how they love to run. You could kind of go into a, a bit of detail about that. Uh, yeah, you might uh, describe one of the confrontations, the specific confrontations, in detail. But again, that's uh, if you've got more time and you've kind of got the stage. Then yes. you've got the, the the latitude to do that, but it's not essential for making the point using the story. That's right, and in, you know it it could up the ante in terms of the contrast if you actually described, you know, the interaction you had uh, when you sort of forced the issue versus where you sort of helped them out. You know, that could be an interesting contrast as well. Yeah, cool. Well, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, so when, how would you use this story? Um, well, what are we saying here? This is, how would we use this story? I mean, oh, for us, it's an yeah. illustration of job interviews, right? And well, how you use storytelling in job yeah. interviews. Well, this particular story um, was used in a job interview, but I know people have used it to when they're launching a change initiative or any form right. of transformation. Yeah. Folks, we can't just push this down people's throats. Let me give yes. you an example. Yeah. yeah and then yeah. you tell that and you go, folks, we need to involve people in this. Otherwise, they are just going to be telling us to get out of Dodge. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's give it a rating. Let's um, put a number on this. Okay, it's your story. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, you know, I... I think it's an eight for me. This is an eight. I can I can definitely use this story, um, and it's going to have impact. Yeah, I think it's a good one. What about for you? What do you reckon? 
I think in terms of uh, fit for purpose for me, this is a nine. This is oh man, this God, is a, this is yep, right up there for you. Yep, this is a I think really this is the first nine you've given it, isn't it? It could well be. It is a, for well. me. This is a uh, a really high impact, uh, valuable yep. story. Excellent. So Excellent. thanks, Anna. Yeah, well, a good one. Love it. You know, it's funny how these stories sort of swirl around. I was chatting to my brother the other day. He's, he lives in, in Colorado, in Denver. And he sort of said he went to um, his gym. Uh, first, just started up with his uh, gym program with a, a sort of a, a cohort of people who are privately trained, you know, six people or something like that. Anyway, he went to his first session and the guy sort of says, so there's this guy riding a bike around and he tells the story that you told, uh, you know, about the guy who goes flat chat and then decides, no, no, I don't need to do that. And and so and he ends with the, the, the gym instructor at Scott Had. He says, so you don't have to push yourself, you know, too hard. Just enjoy it, experience it. Don't, you know, don't miss the, the ride, if you like. And, and I, I said to my brother, I said, Scott, tell me whether he actually heard that on Anecdotally Speaking. Oh, that would be so cool <laughs> now, if that he would did. Be a, <laughs> that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Anyway, yeah. so these these stories are uh, out there in the zeitgeist, of course. But, uh, yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention to people is that on our website, we have a thing called the Story Finder. And every one of our stories on our blog and our podcast are tagged so if you're looking for a story on change management, you just find it'll show you all these. There's like over 300 tags. You just go through and you go, ah, change. You click on them. There might be 15 stories and it will list those stories. So if you're looking for a present, you know, a story for a presentation or, you know, a meeting or whatever, go there. I mean, it is, I've noticed there's like 17 innovation stories and 12 change stories and that like We've been doing it for so long. There's a quite a collection of stories for you to access, and it, it'll get you re- there really quickly. Yeah, you, 16 years the, of uh, stories. Yeah, yeah. There's a resource page on our website, uh, which sort of it's about. I think it's entitled Learning, and if you go there, it's right on the top top uh, title. Uh, you'll find the Story Finder link. Anyway, it's anecdote slash Story Finder, so it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, but this is really uh, to talk about today as one of the many um, chapters that we have in our corporate storytelling article. Uh, You'll find that on the anecdote site, just anecdote.com forward slash corporate hyphen storytelling. And yeah, have a look, share it around. Uh, Love to hear your thoughts. Um, And uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll keep producing material for people to use in the best ways they can. Yeah, and so if you're interested in uh, getting that next job, building a uh, read the the paper and uh, start building up your repertoire of uh, character stories, credential stories, and of course you need to have a career story. And if you've yeah. got them, you will be standing out from the crowd. Yeah, you'll be way ahead. Okay, guys. Well, thanks for listening to Anecdotally Speaking. It's great to have you here. So tune in next week for another episode of How to Put Your Stories to Work. Bye for now. Anecdotally speaking, was engineered by Dave Stokes from author to audio.